This is Death Before Dishonor. I'm Genesee. My character is Xanatari. She's a good aligned Kalishtar war priest. I'm Daniel. This symbol is renowned for being associated with the Rod of Orcus, the artifact that I'm after. I'm Eric. My, my name is, is Cesar. I was a, a slave worker for the uh, undead armies of Thay for 75 years. I'm Kevin. I, I, I kind of have my own personal quest, I guess, uh, just to become a protector of people. And I'm Tinzian. Shall we start this over again? Some of the beauties of D&D. Can't end the story. Goes anywhere you want it. Welcome to the show. I'm Genesee. I'm Eric. I'm Minty. And I'm Tinzian. <laughs> and this is Death Before Dishonor. Today is Friday, September 28th, and this is episode 75 in a weekly series following a group of friends playing Dungeons and Dragons, hosted by the Gray Area Podcast. I'm going to let Tinzian give you the news of what's going on and catch us up on where we are. So, Dungeon Master, you are a go. First, our usual little bit of administrative business. Uh, if anybody happens to see Mithrin, uh, please let him know that his picture is now on a milk bottle. And uh, we would like to find out where he's coming from. I'm sure that uh, Thorne would be willing to post you a mint <laughs> in the mail as a reward Bribery. for finding us our lost well, Mithrin. The, I think it's more blue. likely... <laughs> It's more likely his uh, his pictures on an IPA bottle, probably. <laughs> Much more likely. <laughs> Much yeah. more likely, indeed. Now, speaking of drinking, everybody in the chat channel, you're on a seven-second delay. Guess what? I'm gonna give you seven seconds. So <laughs> run out to your fridge, grab yourself something to drink, and bring it back. Because we become the drinking podcast. Is that what you're saying? Oh, we have business. We have serious business to attend to. Should I go get my whiskey? No. Cesar. What? To you, sir. Hmm? A toast. I propose a toast to Cesar. Uh, your wife has been rolling Carjin on a new character for nine months. And uh, she still refuses to show you the details <laughs> of said character. But she goes like this a lot. <laughs> she won't come on, but you can just imagine that she's doing that. Um, for those in the non-general listening audience, uh, probably by this time next week. Um, Definitely have... by this time. <laughs> He's no, like, damn it! No, Definitely. No, it, it is guaranteed. By one way or another, it, it has to be by this time next week. So, uh, Cesar and his wonderful wife... Uh, are going to um, have an increase in the brood. Cesar spawns. And Cesar will uh, not be available for a couple weeks, but he is uh, here in spirit. But just wanted to give you a proper nerd's huzzah. Huzzah, Cesar. Sorry. Huzzah! Hold on. Uh, oh, five guys. Huzzah. Five guys. <laughs> Woo! And Only we, the best for you, man. We wish. I we raised my minster the best and especially to your wife for a uh, safe she has a name procedure yes but i don't know if i'm allowed to give it on the podcast or not so myself <laughs> and my wife katie ryan are very thankful to you all of you and uh i will miss being on but i'll be back soon enough uh more tired than ever more likely <laughs> and uh we'll Enough. be sure to 
the show will again be interrupted with infant cries and me running off, but uh, it'll be worth it. So, thank there you. is there is the possibility somewhere along the line that I might record little side snippets or something from um, Cesar, but I'm not planning any sort of dramatic, just suddenly yanking you out of uh, time and space type deal. Um, so you're not known for that at all. Mm-mm. We'll work on something. Um, we'll make it mundane and therefore completely out of character for this podcast. <laughs> All right. All I'd, like, all I'd like to add is to hell with continuity. To hell with it, sorry. So, what we learned last week? Uh, anytime I say a certain word, it still sounds like uh, the littlest whorehouse in um, New Orleans. So, let's just keep New Hampshire. that one. Gotta love the Yankee accent. Sometimes I'll really let you have it. The party was introduced to a both a story, a tale, and uh, perhaps some reality when they were shown a large portal set into the floor of a central chamber in a very bunkered area of the city. And explained that actually a large degree of the city's defenses are to keep whatever happens in the city inside its boundaries. There's apparently something called daylight which is the standard area that time that the city is in now. There's also something called nighttime, for lack of a better term. And that seems to be where the, for an indeterminate period of time, uh, those in the camera just saw me go cross-eyed, <laughs> uh, something happens to the city, and there's evidence in the past of prior civilizations having control and modifications to the city. Which brings us to the current point of the party is present, and I must uh, sadly inform you that you are all alive, and I must help tell the tale as to why you are in this sad and unfortunate state. As the party was... Um, as the episode was winding down last time, the party had noticed that there was a rapid darkening of the room both inside and outside the chamber. The Minotaur that is with you, this one appears to be some sort of priest or paladin, a little nicer than um, Guillermo del Toro, who was outside and is dead. Uh, The portal appears to be open. And so far the party's only seen before uh, one beholder, there is a large number of beholders that suddenly appear within the room and start using some sort of ray upon the portal, as if to try and hold something back or prevent something from happening. The Minotaur, uh, who you're with, uh, looks rapidly horrified, but then extends out a holy symbol which is right now, aside from the beams of the beholders, the holy symbol, and then Bert, which is orbiting around Xanatari's head. No, because I put him away last time. Remember? I wasn't going to leave out the huge lighted orb in the dark. That's right. You did that. I did. Ignore the last 15 seconds. For you in the chat channel, stop listening for seven seconds. I don't think it works that way. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. Um, well, Bert's absence aside, there's not a whole lot of light in the room. In fact, um, it's really amazingly dark, but you're all able to see. 
Now I know that uh, Thorn has dark lighting, dark vision of his own, mm-hmm. and in the past, Cesar has employed some gadget to do this, and Xanatar yep. is pretty much just kind of stumbled along um, behind someone who can yeah. see what's going on. But in this case, you're all able to see what is happening, but it's in that wonderful movie cliche of uh, reverse negative, or negative whatever the hell you want to call it. It's all jacked up. (laughs) Just classing it up, D4. This is what you get for making it up on the fly. Yep. I didn't do it. I believe that uh, there's somebody in the party, is it Mithrin? Or is it Thorn that doesn't have the... uh, Thorn. All of you witness... um, a large hand coming through the portal and it is grasping what appears to be a carved bone rod this hand is massive at the moment what I'd like is I'm gonna go around the table and basic reactions to this point and then I'll continue on as things go so uh, Thorn so um, yeah uh, I'd probably be visibly shocked I didn't really want to see this Giant arm again. Arm again. Uh, get it? <laughs> and I don't wanna miss a thing. I'm, I'm off my game today. All right. So, yeah, I, I'd probably be visibly shocked to see that. Um, see this, uh, this thing sort of rising out of the portal, and then I think instinctively I would grab my arm, the one that was in the portal last time around. Oh. Um, to make sure that it's still my arm. Okay. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm pretty horrified. But at the same time, it's like like horrified curiosity if that's oh, no. even a thing. Like, because I think that's, that's the word in a nutshell. <laughs> horrified curiosity, yeah. Because there's, there's this Rod staring at me right there, held by the hand of what I can presume to be is some long dead god called Orcus, even if he's dead at all. Um, with the prize that I'm, I'm sort of after. So uh, yeah, I like a, it's this sort of tense sort of. I want to climb up the arm, but at the same time, I don't want to lose my limbs. He's like the crocodile. He keeps coming back for another taste, Daniel. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> uh, Thorn, your arm appears to be uh, your own. It's not suddenly trying to uh, grab at your weapons or do anything that's not visibly planned by you. Okay. Uh, Zinatari. Huh. Well, uh, it wasn't my favorite thing to see last time. So uh, I would recognize it for what it is and be very surprised because I was expecting a horde of drow to come out of this hole, which is why we kind of did the spell of darkness or whatnot. And and now I feel like we're going to fight this giant hand and... um, not was not what I was expecting, and also kind of tempted to just leave because we're here for the drow, and we keep not finding them. It's annoying. Well, um, 
I think you're going to find the drow in just a, a couple moments. It's spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Advanced spoilers. Okay. Help you. Well, I will, I'll just stand back. I mean, what is the hand doing? It's just coming out of this giant hole, holding on to the rod. Yeah, it's sort of like a spectral. Um, I don't know, maybe like a spectral calling card or symbol or maybe manifestation of uh, kind of all the oddities that are going along. Just something, kind of, some kind of calling card. Maybe not the state of Marshmallow Man, but just something is going on here that would definitely attract the attention of perhaps a death god. So you're saying it's it's like their version of a banner, this wispy, it's a foggy sort of spell. It's not like an actual real hand like last time where it came out. Yeah, this this one, it looks like it is somewhat spectral. Um, it may not actually be whatever's coming through the hole. It may not actually be its banner, but for some reason, uh, whatever is casting this particular thing jumped in on the party or is part of the party. Okay, well then I wouldn't panic so much. Uh, I guess I would just look at it and just wait for whatever's coming behind it. In the negative space, uh, and sort of the negative view that you have, the, it's clear that it's spectral. Uh, maybe to Thorn it's a little bit more realistic just because it's sort of the you know, visual attribute. But uh, it's got a lot of good detail. It's clearly an illusion, but um, it's not a... Uh, manifested by something pretty puny in power. Cesar? Yes. Um, so, I forget. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. Is it the same size as the one we saw back in the keep? Mm, this one's pretty... This one's bigger. It seems proportional to the uh, other hand, the size of the portal for the other hand, versus this one. Okay. That's what Shay said. It is. Uh... Cesar would shoot at the hand to see what happens with his crossbow. Okay. Go ahead and uh, you using any sort of particular crossbow bolt or... Uh, I'll use my standard aggravating force, which okay. allows another, if I hit, you know, I don't know if it's going to do anything, but another enemy or another ally, when they try to hit it, they get a bonus to hit. Uh, let's see, it's versus AC, 26. Okay. Is anybody paying attention to Cesar? <laughs> no. no. There's a giant hand. Okay. Cesar, uh, you shoot, and mm-hmm. your bolt passes through. Uh, apparently does some sort of disruption to whatever field is holding it there. And uh, the image flickers and then sort of fades away. Ha-ha! I killed it! <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? What happens, though, is that um, you are pretty darn close to the Minotaur that is attempting to use uh, its holy symbol. And the light from the symbol versus the negative space that you are able to see, you see from within the uh, portal a number of figures uh, start to climb out the edge and a few very, well, I guess if you were to look at them under normal light, they would be extremely dark, almost black, um, but they stand out extremely well in the view that you have. 
of bolts or arrows shoot out towards the priest, and he is quickly struck down. I'd like to respond, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an ability... Sorry, one sec. Um, where is it? I had one that allowed me... Aha! Okay, so I'm going to use um, a minor action spell okay. called Encaging Spirits, which pushes targets back one square um, were this on a map. Mm-hmm. However, given that these things are climbing out of a deep hole, mm-hmm. um, it is quite obvious that the necessary thing to do is push them back down the hole. Mm-hmm. So, I am going to cast Encaging Spirits. Okay. If I may. With the, with the intent of pushing it? some of these down the hole. With the intent of pushing these... Well, basically, um, think of pushing siege ladders off a tower. Okay. Or, or off a wall. Similar concept. I want to... As they're, like, vulnerable and climbing up over the edge... Mm-hmm. Um, I want to cast Encaging Spirits to push like the first wave off and then back down the hole where they've got nothing to hold on to. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what to roll, but I'll just roll a d20. Uh, that's a, a 19 plus. Um, it doesn't give me any bonuses or anything. Okay. And so I roll a 19. Uh, you go ahead and... Um describe your effects. I know it's not a critical, but just uh, to add some talk time. All right. So, um, basically, uh, I, I, I knock an arrow um, being, you know, the bow is my favorite weapon here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I whisper some words, um, you know, arcane origin, um, with the, the 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 feeling of of calling or, or summoning, and I let the arrow loose, um, okay. which, as it's mid-flight, goes ethereal and and smoky, and as it as it strikes, um, the ground in front of the edge of the the, the portal, mm-hmm. um, it sort of explodes into this sort of massive wave of vengeful spirits that push forward and, and, and basically physically push the, the creatures that are on the edge um, closest to us, I guess, um, forward and, and out into the middle of the actual portal. Okay. Xanatari, um, as your attention is drawn around the room, both for the disruption of the, uh, the hand and rod, you can see that the room appears to have drastically changed from a couple moments ago where there were clean lines and an ordered room. It looks like there has been fighting going on in this room now for uh, quite some time. In fact, the priest's body, uh, the, the minotaur that was with you, looks quite desiccated and dead and almost mummified. Thorn, you see him raise his weapon and shoot uh, 
an arrow off in his effects. But Thorn himself actually looks much older, much more uh, skilled and powerful. As <laughs> if he too has been, you know, fighting some sort of guerrilla war for a great period of time here. Hmm. Ah, uh, dang it. <laughs> Not quite that old, but God does, doesn't doesn't look like a doesn't look like the rookie. Okay, and my bastion of mental clarity isn't going off, so we're not having some sort of mental attack or mind assault. Your your bastion of mental clarity has gone off a couple of times for something that is in the uh, the portal, but it is not something that appears to be affecting your perceptions at the moment. Well, I'm confused because if... Well, it's something I have to put up I guess, technically, because it is an encounter power. Um, but it is an in- immediate interrupt, so mm-hmm. you would, I guess, tell me if I was going to be... Yes. Um, and I would then use it. So you're saying it's not... Nothing has happened that would cause what, me what, to... What I, am, what I am telling you is is that you have the sudden realization that your bastion of mental clarity has gone off a number of times... Okay. Are more than what you would presume for the time that you have been there. However, the effects that you are seeing right now aren't what is triggering the bastion to go off. Hmm. Okay, I want to roll a perception check. Hmm. Go ahead. Um, one second. Sorry, they're jumping around. I'm trying to get them out of here. If you can beat a 25, let me know. Uh, 23. Okay. Uh, What are you trying to perceive? I just want to get a better idea of where the edge of this distortion or effect uh, stops. Uh, It goes out, out of the room. Okay, and we haven't noticed this previous until someone shot at the uh, the hand. It's almost uh, one of those blink in time things. Somebody blinked, and scene change. Hmm. Okay, I don't really know what to do with that, other than uh, maybe just yell to the others and see if I uh, am alone in my perception on that. Okay. So you're going to yell to... I believe Cesar's probably closest to me. Okay. Uh, I would yell to Cesar and say... Let's see, condense it short. And just say, uh, Cesar, something's wrong with our perception of time. Is it just me? Uh, not quite sure what you mean. Um, Cesar, Xanatari... Looks like she has been through a war and back. Um, you recall seeing the uh, Xanatari from the future? Yep. And this looks like perhaps even more of a battle-worn, but uh, very capable person before you. Okay. Um... I won't say that then. What I'll say is, um, well, uh, 
Oh! You... You look different. I would, uh, respond to him by throwing up my interrupt and seeing if that makes any difference. If I erect a psychic shield around us, um, and an enemy has to hit or miss against, basically against my will to, to hurt us, and we also get a plus four power bonus to will until the end of the next turn, I want to see if that changes the perception of how we look or if that affects anything. Okay. Uh, you will find that your effect that you are attempting to generate is actually far stronger than um, you thought. Is going to be. Okay. So they look the same or no? They look the same. But how would I know my effect is working? Um, there's just something where, you know, you're trying to cast and you're sort of gauging the level of effect that it's going to have. Okay. It seems to be that your uh, shield encompasses a far larger area than what you would have expected it to do. Okay, um, I'm going to go with some sort of strange wormhole. Okay. And uh, right in front of us is the portal down into the ground, correct? And they're kind of around it. Yep. And behind us is the door. How, how close are we to the portal? Uh, probably within about 20 feet. Okay. Um, I'm going to... Is there anyone between me and the portal? Um, there's now uh, a couple of what appear to be drow okay. coming out of the portal that are between you and the portal, yes. I'm going to attack those drow and try to get to the portal. Okay. And what are you going to do? I'm going to use my hammering wind. So let me roll. Okay. 15 versus AC. What is, what is the hammering wind supposed to do? Hammering wind will... That's the one that will shift us... Um, into position uh, around me. It will push the targets back one square and knock them prone, and it'll drag us three. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. Eric? Go, man. I hope you, uh, I wish you all the luck. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it, it go, might be. Go, so. ooh, ooh, go. Go, go, Congratulations, yay. congratulations. Go, go. Thanks, guys. Sorry. Alrighty. Bye. <laughs> yay. Look at that. Fighting drought. live on D4. labor. Hooray! And then there were two. <laughs> woot woot! Oh boy! It's been that wow. kind of night. That is uh, that is exciting. It is exciting. About time. <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> what? Just been honest. See, nothing like a little D and D to make someone go into labor. <laughs> She just wanted to do her part. Wow. Well, there you go. There's and some no, no, action for you. We're, we're, not, we're, not going, we're not going to play that level of metaphysics on a... <laughs> the baby comes after the portal. No, we're not doing that. <sighs> the baby is Orcus. Oh, don't even suggest such a thing. No, let's not even go there. Let's just wish him and, and Katie well and hope that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um... So what do you want to do? Well, we're only 30 minutes in, and that's a lot of edit stuff, too. We'll be 20 minutes by the time I'm done. I don't want to put that out just as an episode, but... It may have to go out as part, but there's, there's reason for it. And okay. I'm not going to... I'm definitely not going to begrudge uh, Eric or whatever else is going on here, so... Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's stupid, just... Stupid Eric having a baby? God <sighs> damn it. 
He just rolled the ultimate 20. Shut up. I think right now, let's just continue with this thing. There's something going on. I've got a way that I'm trying to work around, um, you know, Kevin and Eric having to jump out. Okay. So we'll see where it goes. Um, okay. So uh, we'll keep going. Um, what was happening before? So you have your hammering wind effect. And it's not to say that you are exactly rolling 20s, but if you could have a really powerful hammering wind effect. Mm-hmm. Something just fully unleash, detail it out, you know, ex- explain what you're doing as you're doing this, and maybe just realizing that you're doing a whole heck of a lot more. Okay. Um, I would be expecting, uh, as I as I move toward them and I'm preparing my weapon attack, and uh, I haven't even rolled for the damage of my weapon, atta- weapon attack yet, actually. Uh, I don't know if it succeeded against their AC or no. In this point in time, yes. It did. Okay, then I'm going to roll for damage. Uh, nine. Towards the closest enemy to me. Um, let's at this point just not worry about damage rolls. Okay, then we won't. There's, there's kind of a supercharged thing going on here. It's just, you, I don't know, you light off a small, tiny little firecracker and you wind up detonating, you know, five pounds of black powder. That okay. kind of deal, you know. Okay. Well, I would raise my short sword, which is uh, it is charged with thunder, and it has a thunderous weapon attack, and slam it into the closest drow to me. At the same time, gesturing with my other hand, and basically just dragging my companions that are within uh, three squares towards me. And I would expect them to only move slightly so that we'd be in position, but. Instead of that expected uh, movement, we all sort of fly toward the portal uh, <laughs> very surprisingly, and uh, it shocks me as we, we get to the edge and try not to fall in. Okay. Uh, um, at this point in time, I believe I should roll an, acrob- uh, an, an acrobatics check to see how well I balance, because let's face it, I haven't had a lot of luck in the past. He falls headfirst into the portal with speed up, probably. Okay, go ahead. Oh, jeez, that's all right. That's not bad at all. All right, um, yeah, uh, that will be a 32, so I'm not falling in anytime soon. Hmm. Uh, Thorn, you've seen that Xanatari looks a bit different, and uh, you don't recall the last time that she used the ability uh, being quite that powerful, along with pretty much blasting um, three drow back into the portal. Okay. Um, yep. Fact is, Cesar comes with you all. He's dragged forward, and you realize that he's actually looking kind of younger than he usually does. Hmm. And, uh, it seems his crossbow looks a little bit more tricked out, and seems quite a bit more focused and perhaps uh, annoyed instead of just old and crotchety. <laughs> we have a curious case of Benjamin Button oh. on our hands. Hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Um, alright, so um well, first I'll be a little bit surprised at being dragged forward so suddenly. And, uh, and then I'll I'll give a side glance to to Xanatari and I'll 
uh, mutter and a, and a sort of growl. I guess I could probably try and do it, given how tired I am. Uh, yeah, you look different. Sort of that sort of cavalier sort of... Yeah, I just noticed, but whatever. <laughs> okay. You you sound, to yourself, you even sound like you're a little more older and wiser. I um I started at the, vo- at the sound of my own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll I'll shake my head and I'll clear my throat. And uh, I said, I'll say, uh, did I just sound like that? There's also, as you're having these moments of discovery, you're finding that you're actually kind of feeling like you've got some memories of this fight has just been going on for a really long time and um, you know this is yet another counterattack by the drow versus an offense or three or twelve you're kind of losing count at this point that has been waged upon the the portal by various mm-hmm. forces that are either alive at one moment and then dead the next um, there's been quite a back and forth going on here, and you're sort of feeling like you have abilities and knowledge that are kind of unfamiliar to you. Mm-hmm. So, Xanatari, you're feeling very close to... I guess it's sort of power level when you had um, when you when you called down the lightning onto the drow, mm-hmm. but your deity seems extremely far away. You can't really feel that link so much, but you know that you've definitely got um, sort of the right hand of uh, your deity's um, trust, I guess, and skill. And uh, this is all kind of old hat to you as far as fighting goes. So going forward here, uh, Drower about uh, various things are around. If you wanted to portray your characters as uh, being more powerful than they currently are, if there was some sort of special thing that you've always kind of in the back of your mind envisioning, you know, Xanatari a couple levels from now is able to do X or Y or Z. Um, if you want to take a couple minutes and, you know, describe a couple fight scenes, they don't necessarily have to be all tied into one coherent scene. It could be like over the viewpoint of separate battles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or Thorn. It doesn't matter. Um, well, this would this moment that we are standing on the edge of the portal uh, would be very disturbing to Sanatari because she would have this sort of mix of, you know, swirling memories of what happened before, and then she would want to take a second, assuming that everyone's dead, that's a drow, and they've been pushed back into the portal, uh, not trying to get back at us. We're we're safe in this moment, yes. At this particular moment, yes. Okay, and I would want to take a few minutes to review kind of what uh, is going on in my head and try to separate it into uh, sections. And uh, as she's thinking back through the battle that she just went through, it seems like uh, just a year of fighting and 
just realizing at the very beginning kind of where she was and then as she kept fighting and fighting and, and battling the drought, realizing that she began to sort of get almost tainted by the uh, being that close, you know, physically to them as she's fighting and kind of getting a taste of their mental uh, uh, thinking as well and began to sort of get a taste of their experiences, I guess you could say, and what they'd kind of been through and, and the serious uh, methodical training that they'd gone through. And you began to get sort of flashes of their past uh, history and um, to try to sort through those while she was fighting and, uh, and try to gain some of the skills that they might have as she fought each individual one and try not to be tainted by that knowledge um, and uh, gaining in skills with the short sword throughout that time and trying to implement some of the uh, fighting techniques that she'd taken from directly from the drow and uh, to beat them at their own game, so, so to speak. Okay. Um, you've got a reputation presently. You're aware that you're both a healer as well as a fighter. And um, a bit of a marshalling general of sorts uh, that's taken the city defenders that have been present and some have been conscripted in and some have not. Um, you've never really, s- don't recall how reinforcements arrive, just that, you know, in the darkest periods there have been some. Uh, the negative viewpoint never changes, so you, you don't see any true light um, since uh, that priest died so long ago. Um but you still remember what light is. But I like your description otherwise for everything else that uh, you feel going on. Thorn? Okay. Um, in the past year of fighting that we've, uh, that we've been engaged in, uh, I think Thorn would be a little bit more... Um, savage in nature, um, less refined or uh, worried about finesse like uh, Zanatari was, you know, training and, and taking uh, skills with her sword, um, sort of becoming more aware of his primal nature um, and his link to nature through uh, not only his his own form as a, a shifter, but um, the dawning realization that uh, he's been bestowed upon a, a great gift by uh, the nature gods, um, which allow him to tap into that sort of primal instinct. So at this point in time, he's he's actually changed a little bit in, in appearance as well, um, looking more primal. You know, longer claws uh, on his hands and, and feet, um, discarding boots for for what appear to be. Um, you know, pause uh, instead of you know the normal bipedal type uh, feet that that people would have. Um, actually, looking a little bit more wolf-like than than uh, than he should, um, channeling his his ancestors, um, and and in this time he basically come to grips with fighting very close up as well as um, using his bow um, to to summon the the spirits to uh, avenge nature and and all that is uh, abhorrent or just to destroy all that is abhorrent to nature so uh, in this time you know he's he's 
actually grown like a well, like his his body has changed in such a way that he's he's grown a muzzle and uh, his 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 eyes are sort of uh, sort of become slitted and and focused um, just sort of almost having that sort of I guess the ability to hone in on a spot focus in and um, it almost seems like the target is close enough to be able to you know pick out the the vital point in the armor with the with a bow or um, you know I you know slow time down it in such a, a primal instinctual way that you know he can react fast enough to, to block you know an overhanded blow and and sink his his claws into you know the side to, to rip the armor off and, and then get at them with a dagger or something mm-hmm. um, so he's he's taken I guess that real thief rogue aspect that he that he had in his youth and he's applied that to a, a fighting style that that is very primal and, and fluid um very much like uh the waters that are found in nature like a flowing river and and you know at the same time having the 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 prowler stalker instinct of a of a pack of wolves so he's a he's he's very much become a, an embodiment uh, uh almost a, a spirit of of nature in his, in his own right um being infused the more that he uses his powers. Now, Thorn, over the last, you know, unknown number of battles and stuff, you've come to be known as mm, kind of a leader of men. There have been many times that you have led groups to their utmost death in some vain attempt to secure a foothold when the fighting has been bad, there are other times that you have brought your people back from forays. There was a particular time that seems to stick oddly in your memory where an abomination came out from the pit. And it was quite a large sort of humanoid um... What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a slime pudding. Ew. Creature. Cosboid? Not a cosboid, right? Not a cosboid. Um, but sort of just that amorphous form. And it had started to waylay a large number of the defenders in the room. In fact, decimated a good quarter of the defenses. Uh, before you and uh, some other fighters, and even a couple reserve beholders that had somehow managed to break their way past whatever line is out beyond this room. There's tales of other battles, but it seems that for all intents and purposes, everyone here is entirely focused upon this room. You have actually done something that no one has. Uh, at one point, Xanatari, you remember, was injured and uh, had been saved and was recovering, but there'd always been this sense of caution at one point that was expressed uh, after some particularly foolhardy endeavor, but you actually took this group and these beholders and briefly went into the portal in order to repulse the abomination. You 
dragging what appears to be the flimsy skull of the abomination with uh, nothing else attached to it in your hands, your other hand beating it with the eye stalk of a beholder. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. Uh, are the only things that emerged. You have no memory beyond of what transpired. Merely that for one moment you were pursuing, the next moment you had a victorious trophy in your hand and the fallen remains of, I guess, what you might consider an ally in the others. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, judging, you know, take, take this out of character for a moment, but um, and then apply it in character. For each of you, what would perhaps be the worst thing that you would wish to face monster-wise? You know, what makes the bump in the night for each of your characters? Was that gelatinous cube? That would probably be the worst, being trapped in a room with gelatinous cube. Okay. What sort of... Because you've seen the drow, you've seen all these other things. Describe, I guess, the arrival for your bump in the night. You know, there's been some periods of fighting, so forth and so on. Give give a scene describing you fighting your Um, night. As Xenotar is surrounded by drow... uh, kind of backed into a section with a makeshift barricade and uh, several soldiers uh, trying to do ranged weapons, um, just cutting her way through, you know, the 150th drow, and um, probably one of her arms is not working so well anymore, and feeling uh, the bit of despair that might be kind of rising, she would notice that the room was getting lighter and lighter, uh, and look towards the door thinking maybe the sun or the orb in the middle of the city was was changing for the day and that really time had not been quite as long as she thought and and the day was changing and then notice that the light was rising from the portal to her left and uh, begins to look more like fire in the fireplace kind of approaching slowly up the portal until you would see a clear you know, yellow and red tinged gelatin kind of ooze its way out of the top of the portal, and then you would see the drow in front of it turn and look, and they would try to flee the room, rushing us, you know, even harder, and trying to crush us against the wall in their eagerness to get out of the room, and then you'd see the cube kind of form itself above the portal and begin to slide along the edges of two walls as it grew in size, kind of moving toward us. Okay. How would you battle your... How would I beat a cube? Mm-hmm. Oh, my... If, 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 you, if, you, if you had powers beyond your sheets... Okay. You, know, you, you, you have been pushed every which way to Sunday. You have seen atrocities. You have seen deep fighting. You have seen your own inner convictions. This is the straw that breaks the camel's back. How does the force of nature that is Xanatari stand up and say, 
bring at you expletive? <laughs> I think that I would uh, raise my holy symbol and gather whatever you know fortitude is left inside. Um, probably, you know, urge Bert to shine his brightest and try to uh, form. Um, you know, lightning and thunder in the sky, form a whirlwind from the the air generated by the storm and try to push it back down into the portal, um, basically blow the fire out uh, and then, you know, blow it toward the portal and then try to somehow seal the portal, maybe keep it from coming out or try to snuff the air um, in that way. And, I mean, really only ice, I would assume, or some sort of solid rock being being uh, collapsed on top of it would really stop this thing, and even that, it would probably reform around. So my goal would be to just blow it back down to where it came from and uh, hope uh, maybe it ran into enough drow on the way that it would get uh, more and more solid with bodies as it sort of rolled into a giant uh, snowball effect of drow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pause there for a moment. Thorn, same thing for you. In parallel, out of parallel, whatever. Um, I think the worst thing I can think of to fight as Thorn would have to be possibly maybe the uh, like a, a cult leader of um, Therizdon, um, who you know, if if you don't know who Therizdon is, is the god of madness. So it wouldn't be so out of loop that um, they would just ally on a whim with the drow. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of this sort of um, the, the, the mad leader would also um, have been blessed by um, Orcus or Lolf uh, and given the form of like a drider. So this sort of, again, like this monstrosity um, apparent nature creature thing you know half half man raving lunatic half spider um creature who would basically um almost be like a, a berserk with power you know not only killing drow in its wake um because you know the waves just seem endless and endless and what's a few few minions right um, but by killing these these drow, it, it seems to be <laughs> growing stronger. Like the the blood is almost fueling it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that I would fight it would uh, wouldn't be as forward or flat out as say um, as say Zanatari. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be. In order, uh, in order to fight it, it would have to be um, like a strategic strike, um, using the powers that I was I've been given uh, as a seeker. You know, basically having the ability to either imbue myself with with all the the elements and the rage of nature in order to overcome it. Um, most likely with uh, a fatal shot through through the the uh, the chest, um, an arrow. Uh, of extreme um, power bound with you know all the elements in in, in one um, you know combined with their their rage in order to just incinerate it um, from the inside out and, and basically just scour it of, of 
of evil and, and basically turn it into like a, a bastion mm-hmm. of um, elemental energy, which would then sort of react with its own dark power to create like a, a nova to basically take out most of the room, um, mm-hmm. like the drow around it, but also basically just eliminate that monster, I guess. But, you know, that would be something that would take uh, either a lot of skill to, to perform or a lot of energy. Um, so I can sort of see myself that you know being very, very drained at the end and, you know, barely having any will to fight um, by performing this act. Mm-hmm. So it would leave me very vulnerable um, in doing so. Okay. Xanatari? Mm-hmm. What would Xanatari miss the most at this point in such a time of being pushed to this utter level? I'm not sure what context missed the most of what. Um, just... Mm, not physically miss, but... You know, you've you've lived a long life. You've had, you know, this phenomenal run. What would Xanatari miss the most about where she's currently doing this fighting? What would she really love to have? You know, a, a good Cinnabon or, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. What what would be the driving kind of uh, maybe an anchor point for her? You know, she's hanging off this mountain, so to speak, of all this combat and fighting. Um, you know, what what's something keeping her pinned to this thing that she would love to have? I think it's the adventure. I mean, for her, at the beginning, being really young from the Kalashtar, she really hadn't seen a whole lot or experienced a whole lot and kind of went out in the world to see, you know, what other people were like and what other areas were like while she's gathering those memories for her people. And uh, it doesn't feel that she's in any position where she'd want to go back and, you know, sit quietly and let other people, you know, do that. Uh, At this point, after this battle, um, being worn down and just, you know, exhausted and, you know, low in spirit and all that, um, I think she would be looking toward the open forest and the open... Uh, planes to be exploring again, be able to ride Clyde, and sort of have the freedom of wandering you know, with people that she's come to care about, and and the adventure of the unknown, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I think she would really miss. I mean, there's she always says she'd look forward to sitting around and being one of the elders and being respected, but mm-hmm. I think it's the the movement and the the adventure of every day discovering something that is really driving her um, when she's younger. Okay. Thorn. Um, similar to to Zanatari, I guess. Um, probably um, it was a little bit twofold. Probably, firstly, um, is the 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 hunt, the thrill of the hunt in uh, in finding these artifacts. You know, um, sourcing out people in order to to find these artifacts of power, which you know never really meant a whole lot to him but um you know always sort of was was uh proof of of being able to pay his own way um and use his skill set um in a way that wasn't quite morally correct but you know it was it was his sort of that was his thing that was you know everyone has their their little um their vice or or whatever and in this case it was basically 
setting up a, a heist or or whatnot. Um, but but at the same time, um, having come to care about the group that he's currently with, um, probably the companionship. Um, given that in this war, he, you know, Zenitari and, and Thorn and uh, Mithrin and, and Cesar probably wouldn't get to see each other. Being the most capable warriors that the the city might have, um, you know, being leaders and and whatnot, we wouldn't actually get to see each other a whole a whole lot. Uh, and he'd probably pine for those days where. Um, he would always initiate some sort of mischief, but you know the group went along with it willingly. Um, and to, to to have that companionship, um, and 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 to be able to sit in a a, a bar somewhere with a, a giant pitcher of ale, um, drinking till his heart's content, and then you know swearing at some minotaurs or something. Uh, that that's uh, that's probably what he would miss the most: the companionship and and the thrill of the hunt um, in you know acquiring certain artifacts. So I guess you could say um, overall um, the mischief that he creates with his uh, his newfound family. Having push been pushed to the absolute edge, been pushed to the breaking points, having sacrificed and having given such utmost to this final fight, you suddenly realize that you are blinded, both of you. Blinded by the source of natural light. You were both there kneeling in front of what appears to be a pit, the room is about you about you is lit normally and i want you to know that unfortunately you continue to live and i'll have to keep telling you stories of how you did so sanitary take us out and as usual, Death Before Dishonor is entirely supported by listener donation. So if you would like to support the show, support the site, the paying for of the hosting and all that basic stuff, uh, you can go to deathdeforedishonor.com and look at the right hand side where there are some colorful buttons and you can push um, any of them, choose your own amount or choose one of the ones there for a one time donation. Thank you for listening. You can find out more at deathd4dishonor.com, subscribe on iTunes, and find us on Twitter at deathd4. Please take a listen to the Gray Area Podcast and the Super Number One Podcast, which you can find at signalsmedia.com. Join us for our worldwide adventure and stay tuned for next week as we continue our travels. And we are going to do another one, or at least a bit of one. We are? Okay. Yeah. This podcast is a part of the Signals Media All-Star Network. For more information on this and other fine shows, go to SignalsMedia.com. It's okay to stick our stuff in your ears. Really?